Thanks again to everyone supporting us on the podcast through Patreon. Patreon allows our listeners an opportunity to contribute to the podcast and allow us to bring you great guests and content each week. Thank you to all of our patrons and a special shout out to Jonathan Lambert for being our largest donor. You too can become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash mentors, the number four M-I-L. This podcast is sponsored by Uncanna, trusted natural solutions. Uncanna is a leading voice of advocacy for CBD in the veteran LEO and federal communities. Veteran owned and operated, the Uncanna team is actively fighting for DOD access to CBD with political pressure, community support, and a simple message. Hashtag OpNatural. Uncanna is vertically integrated with industry leaders from seed to sell, supplying premium small batch products to America's best. Use code mentors the number four MIL at checkout at uncana.com to receive your amazing discount. Read the Mentors for Military Disclaimer at mentorsformilitary.com slash disclaimer. The Mentors for Military Podcast. All right. So on this uh, show episode, I think Paul's going to kick it off basically on a story or something that occurred many years ago that really taught him a lot about being a leader. Well, it didn't happen that many years ago, Rob, but thanks, man. (laughs) (laughs) So when I was in ranger school, I was in Darby phase and this RA came out and I can't remember his name because I can't remember most of their names. And he said something interesting to me that stuck with me and helped me get through the course and it helped me in my career and it it helps me today. And that's good followership, which is a made up word, but it's not a made up thing. And the importance of it in the school, you might resent your leader, your student leader, because he doesn't know what the heck he's doing. That's why we're all in the school. Right. But the next day, the next night or two days down the line, you're going to be at that inexperienced leader in that position. And without that person's support and everybody else's you're not going to get a go. You're going to recycle Darby phase. And I'm sure everybody knows how terrible that is. So it's something I thought a lot about. And it's something I brought home with me when I got back to my unit. And that's how do I support my leadership? How do I support the mission? And how do I set my ego aside so that we can all be functioning pieces in this big machine? And so I wanted to talk about that today. I think that's kind of tough uh, for some people, actually, although it sounds rather easy for people to give up their egos when you, at least in the military and you become a non-commissioned officer or in the, and even in some levels of being an officer, at least I've ran into individuals who, um, you know, hide behind their rank and, and tend to use, um, you know, their trophy cases on their chest of, or their sleeve or whatever to demonstrate, you know, what they've been through. And that then gives them the qualification to be an ass. And so because they're an NCO and maybe their NCO that was ahead of them or officer was also an ass that taught them how to be a leader, that's what they end up putting off. And so they don't understand first off what it really takes to be a leader, but then how to be a humble leader. That's, that's a totally different thing to drop the ego and um, be what I would call more of a servant leader. We all serve a, a master in the military. Your first sergeant has to answer to somebody, even though you think you know, you're looking up and he's in charge. But he's serving a master. Your commander is serving a master. 
the, the post general serving a master. So we're all serving someone. And I think if you forget that, that's when things start to break down. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you brought up a really great point with regards to, um, you know, that whole, you know, respect the rank, not the person thing. And we, we tend to get this concept or at least, especially during ranger school, I, I had a lot of, uh, brand new, uh, lieutenants cause uh, my class had like all the West point grads and uh, oh, a lot of brand new graduates. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I went through in, uh, November, but for whatever reason it was like, uh, we got like this rush of like, uh, brand new lieutenants. I hadn't even really been in the army that, you know, going to, uh, PRC was like their exposure and like Bullock or whatever else it was that they had done. And I remember talking to a couple of them when I was in the chow hall down in Florida phase, cause there was a couple of guys just running around and all they did was yell. And I looked at him, I was like, look, your NCOs won't be like that or shouldn't be like that all the time because, you know, that, that really just gets annoying for most people. And that's not really leadership. Although Ranger school preaches like yell, yell, yell at your guys, or at least it did back then. Cause that was geez, almost 16, well, or 14, 15 years ago for me. Um, that like, you know, that was, you know, leading, you know, yelling at people isn't necessarily leading or, you know, trying to get that type of authority, uh, from people. You know, I decided to look it up to see what is out there currently on Google and stuff, Paul, while uh, Eric was talking about followership. And it says it's defined as the willingness to cooperate and working towards the accomplishment of defined goals while demonstrating a high degree of interactive teamwork. Effective followers are active participants, partners in creating the leadership process. And see, to me, that's kind of that whole servant leader piece as well is that, you, you try to partner and you try to be a, an individual that humbles itself and understands it's more about the the people he's or she is leading as opposed to themselves. Now, back in the day, and, you know, you were taught as an NCO, you let your troops eat first. You let them sleep first. You let them do everything first. And you're the person that's way back in the back and you do everything last. I think today I find a lot more leaders who feel like, again, because they have that position of power, or at least that's what they believe, that they should actually be the person first to do mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's what they like to portray out there. You definitely bring up a good point about defining the goals based on the mission. I think to be a good follower, you have to have a good leader also, where you respect them, whether it be the rank or the individual. But... They also communicate well with you on what is actually the goal. If you don't know the goal and your leader doesn't tell you what the goal is for that specific team, you can't be a good follower. I kind of yeah, agree with you and I, I kind of disagreed as well. I think that's why followership is so important is because when you're in a situation where your leader has shortcomings, you can't allow yourself to be a, a dirtbag mm -hmm. and not live up to your full potential just because you see shortcomings ahead of you on the ladder if you're not being communicated to effectively then as a good follower you need to make sure that you're going to do your job as to the best of your ability with the best instructions by seeking that from your leader and that might take you engaging with them more and that might be kind of uncomfortable but that's important and that kind of yeah proactivity is going to help negate uh, a poor leadership climate 
and it's going to help elevate your position. Think about how many leaders or yeah. A-types that are sitting in a room that they don't understand that the first thing is that they did was they were a follower at some point. So when they're in that type of situation, it's hard for them to step back and mm. not want to be the first to speak or the first individual to offer a solution to a problem or whatever the case may be. Because they're striving so much for those types of leadership positions and trying to show whoever is at the top that they're perfectly capable of leading at a higher mm -hmm. level. But but when you think about it, no, no matter how big or small a company or organization is that you belong to, it's likely that there are more followers than leader in the organization in the first place. That's true. So, okay, question. What happens when leadership isn't communicating effectively? Of course, uh, Paul said it would be uh, awkward to bring something up, but so how do you approach that situation? Well, I, I uh, think that, and you brought up a really good point, AJ, is, you know, a lot of our younger generation is needing that, like, why and the how uh, more mm -hmm. often than not, which I think is essential because I, I can tell you, I probably uh, various times, even in combat situations, you know, all I cared about was like, okay, is the enemy shooting at me? And then, you know, where, where's my infill point, my exfil point and who, you know, my purse stat for like my guys and gals that are with us. And, you know, those were the th things that I was worried about as like a, a young uh, infantryman. And then I realized, holy cow, it's a lot more than just that. And so also when there were people that you had that maybe didn't clarify properly, uh, you know, there were always people that I could go to uh, in, you know, either make a suggestion and be like, hey, can you find out for me what what it is that, you know, first sergeant so-and-so wants or, mm -hmm. you know, lieutenant so-and-so wants because I don't want to yep. make him seem like he's a turd or whatever in front of everybody. Here, here's yeah. what I believe. I believe good followers also have to have a backbone to shape their managers into better leaders. It's it's kind of your responsibility as a follower to support and aid the leader when he he or she is doing the right thing, right? And and to also stand up to the leader, have the courage to let the leader know when he or she was she is doing something wrong. Uh, or mm -hmm. head in the wrong, the wrong direction. So as a follower, I, I think the days of just blindly following whoever it is that, that is in charge and for the leader to think that everybody that's following them is that's what they're going to do just based on rank, position, authority or whatever, those days are gone. I think as a leader, you have to be open-minded to the people that you're leading, but followers also have to be very much aware that the person in front of them may not necessarily be leading them to the right place and be able to speak up and say, hey, listen, I, I don't know that this is the right direction that we should be going as a company, as an organization, um, or that your your leadership is working effectively. Understand you got to do it in some ways that it's not career limiting, mind you, but there is a right way to handle that. And I think as a follower and a good follower, that's a skill set that every one of us should have. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. That courage to bring up issues is really important because at the end of the day you want to be able to communicate effectively both down the chain and up the chain correctly so when you do communicate effectively then the leader can have a different type a different point of view to be able to make a decision so once that happens at the end of the day once they do make that decision you have to support them no matter what i think when you, when you're seeking these things from your leadership it's important always to frame the question in the right mm -hmm. light Yes. If you're on the bottom of the totem pole, then your only res real responsibility is you. So if mm -hmm. I go to my leader 
and say, hey, I didn't understand the task. I want to make sure I do it right. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand the task. I don't want to waste time and make the unit look bad, whatever it may be. If you're seeking that from them for self-improvement so that you can execute your mission to the best po- uh, of your possible ability or so that you can make uh, your unit look as good as it can, then I think you're going to be received very well and you're going to get what you're looking for. Obviously, there's toxic leaders. There's people that are not cut out for the position that they're in, but that's sort of a separate issue. Mm-hmm. Business News Daily talked about this once and said that there are five key skills that come up again and again as far as what makes a good follower. Their motivation, courage, service, dedication, and a strong work ethic. So those are some of the same qualities that we admire in leaders. They're also the same qualities that we want in the very best followers. So they're very much the same. And so as a leader, you've got to be very humble and recognize that some people, again, forgetting your ego on your team may actually be better than what you are and be willing and open to listen to some of the things that they're suggesting that might be very helpful change. And if you can't do that, then you've got the problem, not them. You, you've, you've got the problem. Yes. Yeah, you, you bring up a really good point there too, Robert, is like a lot of times uh, those of us that end up in senior leadership positions uh, tend to get like all me, me, me and almost afraid of their followers, afraid of their subordinate leaders because they're like, oh, if if so-and-so seems like they're better than I am, then maybe they're going to replace me. Well, you know what, bud? More often than not, change management is a process mm-hmm. to all of our development in the military. And no matter what, you know, for like, you know, as a team sergeant, you get maybe two and a half, three years team time, and then that's it. You're off to do stuff. So it is your job as a team sergeant on an ODA to do the, you know, the due diligence and, and groom some people that can be the possible contingency to move on into your position and and the same elsewhere, you know, out in the business world. I mean, there's a lot more mainstay at certain places uh, and certain positions and roles, but you should always be looking to groom those below you uh, to move on up. And and those of, you know, those that are below us or, or, you know, or, and for me, even uh, it's like sinking out mentorship from those uh, leaders as well, too, is, is the other uh, big key of this. I think everybody needs to understand that at any given moment in today's society, I think what you're trying to say too, Eric, is that you're going to be a leader and you're going to be a follower. So today you might be the leader on something. Uh, you may be taking charge with your team and, and doing something, or you may be leading a project or a program or some kind of initiative, but tomorrow you may very well be the follower, meaning that you go to a, you go to an executive board meeting, you go to a, um, your, your company commander's meeting and you're the platoon sergeant or the, you're the, you got to go to the first sergeant's meeting or the command sergeant major's meeting or whatever. Now, all of a sudden you're taking the follower role. So followership and, and leadership are two things that really kind of are fluid, right? Go hand in hand. Yeah, they really do. It's a cycle for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the, the point that Ranger instructor was trying to make to us all was that you're never going to be a good leader if you don't know how to follow one, because you have on the ground experience firsthand of what it's like to be issued orders that don't make sense or to deal with somebody that's maybe not a hundred percent confident in their ability or their, their skills and experience haven't quite reached that level. And they're at the maximum of their comfort zone. And when you see that from the other side, you need to take that lesson with you so that you don't fall into the same pitfalls and shortcomings. And so that you can support the people around you uh, in the same way. 
you think about a lot of the leadership courses that are in the military, that's exactly what they try to do is put you in a position to where one day you may be, you know, hey, I want you to be the PL and I want you to follow these directions or write an op order, or, you know, whatever, set up this uh, fire mission. And then the next day, you're no longer the PL, you're now the 60 gunner or the 240 uh, gunner or whatever, you know, today. You're, you're, you're whatever happens to be the moment. And that's the same way yeah. it is always going to be in life like that. It was a very valuable lesson because in ranger school, especially with your peers grading you, it was so important. And that's why in society today, they came up with 360 degree, you know, assessments and everything because they felt like leaders were getting so ahead of themselves and feeling like whatever they could say, everybody had to follow until they started getting feedback from their peers and from their subordinates and from their leaders and started recognizing that they're not everything they thought they were. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, there's a book by John C. Maxwell called The 360-Degree Leader. And in that book, you know, John Maxwell talks about the best leaders are those people who recognize that there's a time and a place when you have to follow. There's a time and a place where you have to lead. And when you do lead, you lead sideways, up, and down. You know, you have to be be an effective leader. And part of that, of course, is remembering, like you said, Paul, to be a follower in the first place. Exactly. You get what you give. I mean, uh, and I remember, you know, I'm going to do a little uh, nostalgia with Ranger School here too as well. But I mean, I remember being uh, on one of our patrols for uh, graded patrols and we were getting ready to do an air assault. And uh, this, uh, I I don't remember if he was a PFC or a specialist, but he delivered this op order. And I I was like sitting there going, holy cow, I have no idea what the the op is. And I I, I have no idea like what we're doing. I, I feel bad for whoever is about to become the PL. Guess who became the PL? on the other end of that yeah ranger martin right over here and so (laughs) the ri comes up and he goes do you know what you're doing or even where you're going and i said no sergeant i haven't got a clue i was like i i and i paid attention to that entire time for that op order too and he goes yeah i saw so he's like he (laughs) did me the op order and goes here you got about five minutes to look this over and un-f this real quick (laughs) and and it honestly uh because those of us that had been in that op order uh, had been willing to listen and, you know, not make fun of the guy and not be like, oh, you're an idiot or whatever, but just kind of mm-hmm. suck it up and drive on and, and try to figure it out along the way Fix as best it, we could. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, you really don't have a whole lot of time to sit there and go, oh, my gosh, we, we can't go out on this op. We don't know what we're doing because that's not the case in Ranger School. Ranger School's you know, designed to work under pressure. But we all came together and fixed it. And you know, that kid uh, came up to me afterwards. He goes, how did you do that? And I go, bud, uh, I was like, there's no magic to this except for we worked as a team, man. Too often yeah. I've seen um, leaders, especially those that, again, reach a certain level who still believe that they go into an office, their responsibility is to lead, you know, from a position, uh, whatever that may be, whether it's the office or, you know, in a specific place out on the, you know, the tarmac or whatever. And in those types of situations, those people feel again that their authority or their position grants them the privilege to be whatever they portray, you know, um, good, bad or indifferent. I think the people who are most successful are the ones who don't even realize they're in a leadership position. They 
they uh, they don't recognize the title. They're not the ones that put that on the door. Uh, they don't establish open door policies because they believe open door means open communication. A policy doesn't mean a damn thing. Yeah. And, you know, and <laughs> and it's those types of people who have become the best effective leaders. And I think primarily it's because what you were talking about earlier, AJ, is that you had a good that person probably had a good leader in the very beginning that established those core principles or they had some really bad leaders and they took away all that bad and said, I am not going to be like that person. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so they created a different path and a different avenue. How many times have you walked into a, a meeting or something and people gravitate towards a specific individual when they come in the room? It's automatic. You you might even light up when the person walks in and goes, yeah, Eric's here. You know, good deal. Um, and yeah. you feel better about the situation. That's typical. <laughs> and, and that's because... That's I'm totally joking. <laughs> that's your true leader right there. If you look at who the people are following and they may not even have a title and that's the other part of being, you know, a, a leader and everything is that you may not have the title. Um you you look at who the followers are following, that's the leader. That's the person that's probably the most humble and and not focused on their ego and stuff as well. I know I'm mixing a little bit with the leadership style with the followership, but I think in a lot of ways like we were talking about it's fluid and they go hand in hand. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's they blend into each other, these two topics, because essentially, if you're a good follower, you should also be able to be a good leader if you can work on your team and and your communication. I also think it's important as a as a follower, you talk about leaders need to have open doors and, and have certain attributes. But as a follower, you need to manage your expectations as well. The person sitting above you might have a chest full of war medals and the reputation like he's the baddest dude on the planet or they're the greatest whatever it may be but the reality of the situation is is we all got to where we were as a team with the support of others and that person he has everybody beneath him because he needs all of your support and so you might see this figure as infallible but you not to say that you should look for chinks in their armor, but you should look for the places where you can help the most. What are their yes. shortcomings? What are their struggles? What are mm-hmm. their difficulties? And address those and apply your your efforts in those areas as much as possible. And I think that's important as a good follower. And it, it alleviates the leadership pressure. And you might find the climate of your leadership changes if you and the people around you are actively doing that. And mm-hmm. instead of just walking in and saying, well, the king's in his palace and he's perfect or you know, the king's in his palace and he's not perfect, so we don't have to be. That's a self-defeating attitude on both ends. Yeah, I think you do that not just to the leaders, right? You do that to the members of your team. You always look Every, for the mm-hmm. – yeah, you should be looking for the shortcomings. You should be looking where you can add the value within your organization. That's part of being, again, a good follower, mm-hmm. you know, each of you. Because somebody's weakness might be your strength. And then that way you can help them out. And overall, the whole team's going to succeed because if one person in your team fails, everybody's going to fail at the end of the day. That's definitely like the uh, it's like it's like a flu virus or whatever you want to say. Like it's going to be contagious. So, you know, uh, like and I and I would be curious to have AJ's take on this because, you know, she's the youngest of us in regards to leadership, uh, you know, and because you're experiencing this firsthand probably right now yeah. as you, you know, go up through the ranks, you know, what are the challenges that you face as a follower um, especially, and I don't want to get too far into the female mm-hmm. side of it, but like, how, how do you see that? Because I, I know that that becomes a little bit more difficult at times 
for you all? So <laughs> communication. Communication is definitely the biggest issue that I think a team can have. If you don't have good communication, then you can't complete the mission. You can't. A basic goal, because people got handed tasks, but nobody talked together. Things just got out of hand, right? Um, on the female perspective, it matters how you say things. Words matter. Because whether it's a male too, it's how you say it that they can be like, man, that guy's an asshole. Or the way a female says it, man, that, guy, that girl's a bitch. You know, so it, it does matter. <laughs> but again, communication, it, it's, take a step back, think what you really want to relate to the team. Are my instructions clear? And does anybody have any questions? And then that's communication. That's, that's really all I can say because I see it in my team a lot where I'm working on something and the other person's working on the same thing. And we're just spending too much time working on the same thing when one person could be doing it, you know? Every person needs to understand their importance and their role to the objective and the mission. I mean, I kind of mm -hmm. look at this as an analogy of playing football. You know, everybody gives the credit to the quarterback who threw the, mm -hmm. you know, the long bomb in the pass or the uh, wide receiver who happened to get over on top of the defender and make the touchdown pass. And those two guys go into the record books as, you know, setting, um, you know, the touchdown win that, that you know, or whatever. But it, what they forgot was it took the linemen who couldn't make protect a mistake them. to protect, yeah, to protect the quarterback. And it took yeah, the tight end to run a short, shallow route to throw off uh, the safety and stuff so that the wide receiver could be wide open when the quarterback threw the ball. It took the running back to run an out route to pull the linebacker out. You know, it took everybody doing their particular role and part as a team and, and giving of themselves so that the quarterback and the wide receiver gets all the glory. Yep. And I'm going to take it a little bit further with it as a CQB nerd and, you know, say we're always looking for a job. Uh, yes. I remember my team sergeant Woody and uh, my echo Troy pulling me aside and they're like, hey, you're always looking for a job in there, man. Whether, you know, it's mm -hmm. the sensitive site exploitation or if it's, you know, taking care of a detainee or if it's taking care of a wounded, you know, or if you're just looking for stuff, you know, to make sure you that there's, you know, looking out on the horizon, even, you know, there's a job we're covering each other's angles we're covering one another no matter where we go and what we're doing so i mean it, it, it's all relatable love it selfless yeah. effort i mean if everybody on that team is selfless you know or self not selfish yeah unselfish um then it's going to work a whole lot uh better because when when people start playing more for the team and i'm using again the football analogy when people are playing for the team and not so much for themselves and they're willing to fill any role on that team that the coach says that they need them for they're going to be much more effective because everybody's following everybody's wanting to support one another everybody's lifting each other up at the same token they're going to recognize their weakness rather quickly and let the leader know hey i'm not really good in that area you know why don't you pick paul paul's a little bit better i'm not saying i don't want to fulfill that role but I think what I can do is help the team in this way. You know, I'm not trying to step back. I'm actually trying to demonstrate where I could help the team more effectively and that Paul can act actively be a better person within the role that you're seeking at this moment. You know, and that's being, again, a person who's willing to give of themselves. It, it's, it's all related to then becoming a better leader and, of course, understanding uh, the follow-up aspect. 
Well, here's here's what I would say for this is, you know, this is something that's relatable in the work environment, you know, outside of the military as we look at, I mean, especially as I'm looking at my transition mission here. And that is, you know, we can create cohesion by be going, being good followers. And I, I see this a lot because, um, and I know that this, this exists a lot in the civilian workplace, and, and I hate saying civilian or whatever, labeling it that way, but that's what it is, um, is that, you know, there's a lot of lack of cohesion. And I see a lot of military guys and gals go, Oh, I hate civilians and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, they probably hate you too, because you don't bring a whole lot to the table in regards to solutions. You bring a lot of complaints, but if you're not bringing the solution here, which in this case could be that you're just a great listener. And then you figure out a way to support that leader, uh, in the best manner possible. It's that my made up word karmatic. It's that karmatic situation of like, you know, creating, a, a, an environment that is more team cohesive and makes the, Exactly. Absolutely. So that way it's more fun to be at work. I mean, that's why most of us like haven't looked at our jobs as jobs. That's why I've enjoyed going to work. I mean, I I played GI Joe now for 20 years because I truly enjoyed it because it was not necessarily easy, but it was easy to come to work because I liked the people that I worked with. Everybody aspires to be a leader. And they forget, like Paul said, that the first aspect of this whole thing is that you've got to understand follower. what it means to be a good follower. Yeah. Well, I think, like Eric, Eric was saying, you know, bring solutions. Recently transitioned veteran, or even not so recently, and you find yourself in a new workforce. You so often you think, oh, when I'm the boss, I'm going to do it this way, or when I'm the boss, I'm going to do it that way. And meanwhile, you're being a dirtbag, and you're not helping out the team. You're not positive to be around. Um, you're creating, you know, negativity around you. And I think that's ultimately going to be your detriment and you're never going to get to where you want to be in that leadership role. You have to live in the now and where you are now is probably you're following somebody else, especially if you've just transitioned from service because you got to start at the bottom of the scrap heap again. Your medals don't mean anything. Your rank doesn't mean anything. You're in a new environment and you have to learn the skills that those people know so that you can adapt and make it there. So it's important to know where you want to go. But you have to know where you are right now and be the best at doing that, which is typically following somebody and yeah. learning from them in order to get to the top of the heap where you, you may want to be. Sometimes, though, it yeah. requires self-confidence, though. You have to be an individual that's confident in their own skin. And and sometimes, yeah. you know, listening to that, Paul, I was thinking, what if you're a, a young, you know, junior enlisted person or a private or lieutenant or whatever, you know, you're an individual that just came into the unit. The first thing that you want to do is, again, demonstrate that you're adding value and that you're, mm-hmm. you know, an mm-hmm. active member and stuff. But you also have to be a, a person who is very confident in what their capabilities are. Um, so that you can exude that to your team members. They can see that, and they can see your humility as well. I like to live in the now, because in life, you always have to wait your turn. And to be a leader, you also have to wait your turn. You're not just going to go into a new position and lead that section. So I I really like that, live in the now. Know where your place is so that you can contribute to the team. And then if you, you end up getting to that position, then... You learn from the good, you learn from the bad, and that will make you an even better leader. Yeah, I agree. And I think, like Robert was saying, if you're the new guy and you want to prove to your to your teammates and to your leadership that you're the best and you've got these great attributes and you're going to lend yourself to the team, the more questions you're asking to improve yourself and to improve your performance and the harder you're working, the faster you're going to climb the ladder. And I think even if you have a not-so-good leader, at least this has been my experience, 
they're going to see that. And when they're talking behind closed doors at those higher levels, they're going to say, you know, we got this guy, doesn't really know what he's doing, but he works hard. He's always asking questions. He's always trying to do it the right way. If he doesn't know, he's coming to us and making sure that he's doing it the right way. That's how you build the foundation of good leadership. Because once once you're on the top, you're going to have to ask laterally or above you the same questions because you're going to be, again, outside of your comfort zone. Requires a little clarity. You've got to know when it's time to follow. Uh, I think it was, um, wasn't it George Patton that's been accredited? I don't know if he actually said it or not, but I think he was credited with the statement, lead, follow, or get the hell out of the way. So whoever said it, in each situation, people must know the role that they're supposed to play. Right now, am I leading? Am I following or am I getting the hell out of the way? You know, and, and that's kind of what we're talking about is having that clarity and that insight and uh, understanding of a follower and a leader. And at what time it's important for you to step back and not try to keep showing over and over and over again how good a leader you are. That may not be the right way to climb the top and get there because like you said paul um if you're asking the wrong questions and everything and you're doing things the wrong way that's not going to help you but if you're showing that you have a willingness to learn i think is what you're saying that you have that desire to to um to be the best at your craft at the best of what you can do um but you also are not trying to show how eager you are that people start seeing you as you know um you know sucking up to the boss uh, you certainly mm-hmm. don't want to portray that person because now you're not being a follower. You're trying to be the second guy. You're trying to be that guy. You know, you don't want to be that guy for sure. Don't be a weasel. I'm the assistant yeah. to the regional manager. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't don't shoot it up. I think it's yeah. having that clarity and knowing when to act and when to turn it on. But again, you know, we go back to people are trained to be the best leader. We have leadership schools. We have training that tries to show us the best way to do that. But what we don't do necessarily, other than maybe basic training, is try to teach teamwork, you know, an effective teamwork. And to be a good team member, it goes back to our original conversation. You've got to be a good follower and you've got to know your place. I'd like to expound on something that you guys have both mentioned now, and I think all of you actually have mentioned, uh, is, you know, the asking the right questions thing. I, and I find myself more often than not, like when people are asking the wrong questions, whether it be about, you know, trying to get in to be a Green Beret or whether it be about like, you know, what what do they need to do to even just enter the Army – I tend to sway away from things that, you know, you could simply Google, but if you're asking the right questions and I would be willing, I I would love to hear what you guys think about, you know, you, when somebody starts asking the right questions, you, you tend to want to mentor that individual and you'll, you will give them the responses that they're looking for because you can kind of sense it like that. It's, it's legitimate, that it's from the heart. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I found myself yeah, like you, you just you, you find yourself like wanting to talk to that person and kind of give them insights as opposed to, well, this person sounds like they just and, and I and I can say this from my own experience. I've I've asked the wrong questions to people at times and probably turned people off uh, from wanting to talk to me about certain things because either they probably thought that I was like looking for something from them or I was asking something too vague or too broad as opposed to really nailing down like what it was that I wanted. I think it goes back to two, though, um, listening to what you're saying and hearing that, that last piece there, um, it sounded like a lot of people were still all about themselves. 
you know, I mean, if you're truly trying to look out for the welfare of the other people around you and trying to lift each other up, and we all say that type of thing, and it's yeah. a, it's a lot of great words, but in a lot of cases, people are trying to size each uh, size each other up too much. You know, they're looking at you and Aaron and go, okay, what's Eric's motive? Why is he asking this question? Why don't you just answer the question? It's as simple as that. Why do you yeah. got to pick apart and try to figure out what Eric's motive is? Maybe Eric's just trying to learn yeah. how to be a better person on the team and fulfill the role that you've asked him to play. That's it. Yeah, true. I, I think that's why this topic's so important to me is because there is a right way and a wrong way to ask things. There is a right way and a wrong way to seek guidance. And it's been my experience that everybody on the planet, for the most part, is innately tuned to we want to nurture. We're supposed to raise crops and raise kids and raise animals. Mm -hmm. That's just how humans are. And so if you're approaching somebody from a place of humility to improve yourself, to better your team or your organization, that person is going to help you and they're going to be compelled to help you. It's I honestly believe it's innate, and I think we've all experienced that. And so I think that it's so important when you have, you know, young people in the military, young people in your organization, to teach them the skills of followership, so they know how to ta kind of tap into that, sort of hack the brain, so that they become mentored and become nurtured by their leadership. And all this goes back to the five best qualities of a follower, which had which are motivation, courage, service dedication, and good work ethic. You know, and you think about that as far as what we're taught within basic training in the very beginning, we're talking about, um, you know, taught about a lot of these different things, you know, uh, right there. I mean, you think about the the military ethics, code of ethics and stuff that they try to, you know, put out, you know, they, they put all kinds of different things in little cards that you're supposed to carry around and, and all those types of things are ethos, you know, or ethos or the leadership. Yes. that on the dog packs? Yeah. Loyalty, duty. Yeah, it's some of the same things. And what they're trying to te teach you is about not just how to be a good leader, but how to be a good follower and how to, you know, the roles and knowing when the role is. Because I think it goes to what we were saying earlier is that one moment you might be in a position where you're the follower and the next day you might be in, or the next moment you might be in a role where you're the leader and you mm -hmm. have to know when to turn those on and off. And especially if you go into a meeting where everybody is very type a, um, everybody is in a senior leadership type of role. How is that team going to interact with one another? How are they going to communicate with one another? And who's going to um, step back rather than step forward? I think that's the important thing that most people will be looking for is who's going to try to take charge and start to run the meeting versus who's stepping back and giving their authority and position away. Because it doesn't mean that you're weak. It could be right now I just need to be the follower. You know, right now that's my role here. I mean, I'm going through this right now at work. We have a new barn to build. I haven't done carpentry in 15 years, but one of our volunteers is this 17-year-old kid who just finished a vocational program all for carpentry. So he essentially has a four-year degree in being a carpenter. So me and the rest of the volunteers who are all older than me, much older if they're listening, we're all listening to this 17-year-old kid. He's the boss. He's now the leader. While we're nailing the boards together. And you know what? The building is going up beautifully. Everything's perfect because he's the expert. Doesn't mean he's in charge. And when the job's complete, I'm going to look better than if I just tried to 
gutted out on my own and remember the things that I forgot 15 years ago when I was still framing. And he's getting great leadership skills during this opportunity. He's getting to learn how to lead teams effectively, how to effectively communicate. Like you said, AJ, the importance of that to assign specific roles and responsibilities to each of the individuals. You know, you can't all be hammering. Somebody's got to be sawing and stuff so that we can then hammer. You know, somebody has to be measuring. Somebody has to be doing assigned roles so that the building or the barn goes up effectively. Otherwise, if everybody tried to hammer... We, and we don't have anything to hammer. We're just all standing around waiting. And so, you know, that's, again, the responsibility and the roles and how they all fit into different uh, pieces and stuff there. I think that's a great example right there. Also, of somebody very junior who could very well be put into a position of authority on an instant because they happen to be the subject matter expert at that moment. And we talk about SMEs all the time. That's a classic example right there. Yeah, and he doesn't have to be in charge of when we're going to do it or how long we're going to work that day or any of that. But when it's time to nail the boards together, he needs to be there and he needs to make sure that we're doing it right. You but know, you all humbled yourself and became followers. That was the other key to this whole process. That, that's a that's actually a great story and a great example. Humility is like the biggest thing, too, about all of this. And I think that that's something that tends to be forgotten, especially when you get in that alpha male and alpha female mentality, is that you get to this point where you think that you've got to be kind of charging on and pushing on at times. And I, I, I'll almost relate this to an 18 X-ray experience that I had on our team. You know, we had two guys at the opposite ends of the spectrum. We had one guy that was really great at listening. We had another guy that thought that he needed to be heard on everything that we did. And I was like, I've, I, there were a couple of times that you had to be a little bit untactful with that uh, individual and, you know, basically tell them to shut up. And then there were other times where you had to pull them aside. And uh, it just, it was funny to see how, like the different dynamics of that and like how it works. But humility probably is the biggest thing. And, and I would say that even for myself too, because I, I, I know as a young E7, who. I was a jerk to people because I was riding the high on my coattails of, of like how many doors we were kicking in and, you know, all the cool missions and blah, blah, blah. But after a while, I, you know, it, that doesn't really matter as much as like, you know, what are you doing to build the rest of the team up? And that was a real eye opener for me um, several years ago. And I had to realize, holy cow, I. I got to stop being an a-hole to everybody and, you know, realize that, you know, I may end up working for or with some of these guys later on down the road that I'm kind of, you know, not bad mouthing necessarily, but just kind of coming off as like a turd to them too. Yeah. I was like, man, I'm eating my own crow. Yeah. Boom. There it is right there. Because you never know in this military is you think it's rather large, but you just never know when things are going to come back around and karma actually exists. You know, uh, there may come a time where somebody else, like we're talking about, is now given the role as a leader. So how you treated them, they may treat you the same way. They shouldn't necessarily, but that may end up being the case. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, what you said, Mark, kind of goes both ways, too. You know, you might be the leader today. And, you know, you have to work with somebody who was following you before. But on the other hand, that leader might be under you in the future. And so you don't want to you don't want to be the turd that didn't work for somebody. And then you're in charge of them because you got what you wanted. Now you're on top and they won't work for you because you wouldn't work for them. It's it's karma. And I think that it's important to keep foremost in your mind how to be humble, to know your place on the team and how to serve 
your leadership and your mission effectively and you know broach the subjects you need to broach and seek the mentorship that you need because it's out there you'll get it